We don't really understand why quantum physics works as it does, and we don't understand our own consciousness. Does that mean there is a coincidence? Hi, hope you're well. This is PD at the Art of Self-Development. This podcast is for everyone who's interested in psychology and who wants to develop the most useful people and life skills for yourself and for the people around you. Today's episode is kind of a mix and a little bit more on the weird side. I chose several topics to think about. Things like consciousness and what it is. Can we define it? How does it connect with quantum mechanics, and does it really? And what does it all mean to us? To what we can do, and do we have free will to begin with? There's this idea of quantum consciousness that is becoming popular, that has been in for a few decades now, popularized by books like The Secret, or thinkers and healers like Deepak Chopra. There are many people like that who believe that quantum mechanics is the basis for consciousness, for healing our psychological wounds, and for living the best possible life. My point is, there is something to these things, even as, objectively and scientifically speaking, these things are utter and complete bogus. And I'll talk a little bit about that, about these two aspects the practical aspect which can be there to a degree, and then the objective scientific aspect, which is something completely different. Quantum physics is this weird field of study that is not that new, really. It has been around since Einstein, who kind of invented it, even though we sometimes credit him with not liking quantum physics. There are all kinds of weird things that we hear that are not exactly true or in any way scientific. When you hear about quantum consciousness, or quantum healing, or anything like that, and it kind of makes sense to me why this happens. Because quantum mechanics is something that, while physicists actually have a good understanding of how these things work, contrary to popular beliefs, by the way, A lot of our latest technology is based on knowing exactly how it works. That part is not a mystery. We have all kinds of devices, from lasers to MRI machines in the hospitals, LED lights, hard drives and flash drives, and transistors and electronics in general. We, humanity, we know how these things work pretty well. But the thing is, quantum mechanics is really different from, let's say, Newtonian physics. It's the difference between the physics of the big and the physics of the very small. On the quantum level, which is the atomic and subatomic level, all kinds of weird things happen that we cannot correlate to our human day-to-day experience. Things like particles influencing each other, even though they're not connected directly this spooky action at a distance thing. Things seemingly randomly appearing and disappearing and showing up in different places. When it comes to the subatomic realm, things are just very different from what we can ever experience as humans. 
And that's just the way it is. It's not wrong, and it's not really mystical in the, in the common sense of the word. It's just very different. It's a very different part of this world. But what happens is you have all kinds of these healers who want to believe that because things happen in ways we can't rationally, experientially explain, that means it's magic. And in a sense, that's exactly what it is. If there is one definition of the word magic, it is something that we don't understand how it works. You know, if we have had no science up to this point, and now, for the first time, you would see a scientist doing an experiment, and it could be something as small as using a freezer to make ice out of water, something as simple as that, if you showed that in a culture that lives in the tropics and they've never seen ice, as far as they are concerned, you are doing magic. Magic is not understanding something. Magic is very much about not understanding how things work. This is also why when we as common people, we don't understand something such as quantum mechanics, and we also don't understand how our own consciousness works, it's very easy for us to mentally associate these two things. So that now we have some sort of explanation. It's not really an explanation in any real sense of the word, but it's a way of looking at things that feels empowering, that feels like it gives us an explanation. And it's very similar to the way we look at God or at magic of any sort, in that we don't understand something something that seems critical to our lives, that we really do have to wonder about. And if you can get a semblance of understanding, this will give you the feeling that you actually can control things. And that feeling to most of us is more important than actual knowledge of the real world and how it works. If you predict it thousands of years ago to the primitive humans, that the moon would start eating the sun until there is nothing remaining and that darkness would come. And then that would actually happen. This was because of the sins that you've committed during your lifetime and that you will be given a chance to repent your sins and do better. And then the moon would back away and the sun comes out again. As far as you're concerned, that person has a connection to divinity, and they can control things. This is how many religions work. They're fueled by people's ignorance. And again, it's not to say that there is nothing good about religions, or about spirituality. But these things have a darker side to it, especially when they're organized by people. And the more you know about things and how they work, the less magic you will see. And you might almost feel like regretting knowing things because it seems to take away this sense of magic, this magical connection that we have to the world. But that connection is essentially an illusion. And you can replace it with something that not only feels real, but actually is real, which to me is knowledge. Learning more about the real world makes me wonder about the things that I don't yet understand. And there will always be many. As you step forward and you learn new things, 
your horizon shifts and opens so that there are always more things to learn. And as your perspective changes, so do things seem to change. And when we think about consciousness and what it is and how it works, this has an extra layer of difficulty, because now it is us trying to study ourselves. We are the consciousness that is trying to study itself. We are both the one wondering about something and the thing we are wondering about. And in this day of a lot of new agey thinking, it is very easy to connect things together that do not really connect, just based on our level of understanding or what we want to believe. There are all kinds of theories about what consciousness is and how it works. And that in itself is quite a clear indication that we have no idea. Let me put this in a different way. How many books are being published on, let's say, theory of relativity? Or about Newtonian physics, for that matter? And these are all very interesting, very fundamental things that define what happens in the physical world. But these are things we now understand. We've done all the testing, we know how it works, and there are no more critical questions to be asked. Whereas in this day and age, if you go into a bookshop or a library and you ask about the section on consciousness, you'll see that there are a lot of new books. Why is it? Because there is a lot of people trying to figure it out, not succeeding, not having the ultimate answers. This is how you know. When we have figured it out, it gets written on paper, and that is it. We move on to something else. With consciousness, we have all kinds of crazy or not-so-crazy ideas about what it is. But the fact is we don't really know. We don't know if consciousness is only a manifestation or a function of the flesh, if you will. A physical brain function. Or if it's maybe something that is a result of connecting, perhaps using the brain, to something else. We don't know. We do know that consciousness cannot be weight, that it is not physical. There are all kinds of weird things you can hear about, like that consciousness weighs a specific number of grams, that if a person dies and their consciousness leaves the body, the body is lighter by about 20 or 30 grams. And of course, this has been disproven as bogus, as many other theories have been. Or that you can measure the aura or the spirit leaving the body with some sort of device. None of that has ever been proven. So trying to figure out consciousness is on top of a lot of thinkers and even scientists' ideas. Their answers will differ based on the field they're in. A neuroscientist will tell you something different than a philosopher or a psychologist. Each one of them can add to the mix, but none of them can give you the real answer. And if they're honest, they will tell you that. There have been experiments that can be replicated that show very interesting things about how our minds and consciousness work, however. For example, if you have scientists who connect their computers 
with your brain using an MRI machine, for example, or other devices they might be using, they can actually know, in rough terms, what you are thinking. In fact, they can do more than that. This can be a little bit freaky. If you are hooked to a machine that reads the signals in your brain, when you're given a choice of two things, maybe you can see two doors and you are to decide which one you will take. The scientist reading your brain will know which one you will choose before you do. And this is a little bit spooky, because what it means is our feeling about our own decisions does not correspond to making the decision. When you feel you're weighing the two options and making the decision, that decision has already been made. That is freaky. Because it means that either the decision is not being made by you when you think you make it, or it means you don't make it at all. And this is a good argument for determinism, as in, we don't really make decisions, everything is predetermined, and we are doing what was decided before. This can seem pretty gloomy, but I think it only gives us part of the answer. It does not mean that your decisions are inconsequential. The decision whether you take this job or that job, whether you want to go on a diet or improve your life, still matters very much. And I think when we learn more about our consciousness and about the way our free will is manifested, we will appreciate it even more. I think the worst possible thing when we figure things out that we don't like to hear or that are just strange, the worst thing we can do is to just make up some sort of an explanation that will make us feel better rather than help us actually understand. So we need to keep asking ourselves the questions such as what is consciousness? Can it be transferred? How do we use our free will to the best of our abilities? Even if that free will was only an illusion, which is a possibility, but I don't think that is the case, at least for the part that really matters. There are all kinds of questions that we can ask, that we can creatively explore. See, one of the reasons why I chose to consider consciousness as the topic, I've been writing a sci-fi story that deals with it, and I still can't wrap my head around the concept. For example, if you teach a computer to be self-aware, to have sentience, to have emotions, to have this existential feeling that a computer could never have before, and then you turn that computer off, is it murder? Or if you can make a copy of someone's consciousness for posterity's sake, then you load up the program and manifest the consciousness even just in a computer, and then you turn it off. Have you just killed a person? And these are questions that might become relevant in little time that we need to prepare for. Because I think that the answer, if we are talking about a sentient being, even an immaterial one, is yes on both counts. And it will be interesting to see how these things evolve as computers evolve and maybe really become conscious, or 
when we learn to transfer consciousness from one person or one robot or computer to another, because it may be just a matter of copying and pasting. Then when you make a copy of a person, is the copy really a copy? Or have you made a new original? Are they in any way less valuable than the original? Can you kill the copy but always have to keep the original alive? These are the questions that freak me out. These are the weird questions that we may have to deal with. But going back to quantum consciousness, this is an interesting topic where you can get a big audience just by talking about the things that you pull out of an orifice and you can claim that I can teach you how to quantum create your life and claim that this is anything to do with science or physics. I would get many times the audience that I have now, even though saying that would be complete bogus. And in fact, I know from the stats that I'm getting that this one episode will have fewer listeners than most of the others. Because mostly I talk about how to succeed in some way, how to do something better, how to improve. That is kind of a plus. But the fact is, the less scientific approaches to this get much wider audiences. Which is a little bit sad on the one hand, because I really believe in science rather than in making stuff up. On the other hand, it does tell us something about the human nature. So this myth of quantum physics somehow being connected to psychology is a myth, but it does actually have a place, just like any other myth has a place, as an interesting thought-provoking idea that can actually help us do better in some way, shape or form. It has a place among gods, dragons and unicorns, which I don't say to demean it. I'm just saying. I don't think we need to believe in things we can't prove, that there's no rational reason to believe in, but at the same time they give us good food for thought. What if? We can explore them in science fiction. But we should never trick ourselves into believing that something is true that we don't know to be true, just because we like the feeling they give us. So when it comes to life in general, I don't think that there is any good reason to believe that life is deterministic, or that we don't have free will, as far as we can tell, we do, or that we somehow make things happen in our minds that we can manifest in the physical world through quantum entanglement without actually doing things. That could be a counterproductive idea. As far as we can tell, life is more of a game where we get a hand of cards that is given, that it's kind of random, it's our genes, it's the way we were brought up. Then we learn the rules of the game and we play the hand that we were given to the best of our ability. And that mix of chance, of randomness, of conscious choice and of skill learned through practice, this is where we can get the most tangible results. The stuff that'll make the most sense and the most meaning in this world or in any other.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Self-Development. Remember that learning is a change of behavior. Any positive change you make and keep has a cumulative effect that'll make your life even better. If you found anything useful or interesting in this episode, please share it with your friends. You can reach me at pdartofsd at gmail.com. Talk to you again soon. In the meantime, leave the world better than you found it.